everybody, and welcome back to the Chiluminati Podcast, episode 108. As always, I am one of your hosts, Mike Martin, joined by my LA lady killing love, oh, lovely man. This la- is getting lads. worse each time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Cox and Alex Fasciana, and once again joining us to hear the end of the story that he was so cruelly left on a cliffhanger. Mike Rapares, what's up? Hi, I rolled the R day. for you. Yeah, well, thank you. Go. Good. Good to be back, you guys. This is this is going to be fun. I'm very excited to hear the rest of this story. I don't yeah, know how they talked you into this. I don't know how they convinced you. Alex must have been uh, a great guest. Yeah. <laughs> He's always a great guest. Fantastic guest on Video Game Apocalypse, the podcast I regularly host on the Laser Time Network at VigigameApocalypse.com or LaserTimePodcast.com. Nice. Oh, look at that. Nice. Jeez, I like good, that. Good show. We like it here. <laughs> yeah, Smooth we've, plug-in. <laughs> we've, we've built up a rapport now because... Uh, you know, now we've now we've we like went and did a podcast. And now we're back. So now you can kind of like trace our budding friendship. Look, look oh, through, through three episodes. And, uh, you know, it was a good time. I had a good time on that show. So you guys should go listen to it if you're out there wondering what that's all about. Um, Thank you. But if you are wondering what Chiluminati is all about, you can head over to patreon.com slash Chiluminati pod where you can become a Charter member. I'm going to call it a charter member because we haven't decided what that means yet. You're going to become a charter member of the Chiluminati, where you can support our show at any level that you feel comfortable. And in return, regardless of what level you support us at, there's insane benefits that you guys can grab that go anywhere from art to a, the, 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 the warm hug that is a community discord to pre-sale on cool things like insane good merch that you like, I mean, can we just be honest? Do we have the best merch in the world? Is it possible? I mean, those poster t-shirts, which then turn into posters, are super sick. <laughs> yeah. Every single one of them. They're both poster and t-shirt. Where yeah, we'll, work, we'll workshop the name. We'll workshop the name. But yeah, we'll, if, we'll, we'll, but we'll you, work on it. Yeah, but if you want one, head over to patreon.com slash Pod, and I'm not going to sell anything else to you guys today. How about that? That's fine. You need to sell us this. this yeah, I was about to say, you're about to sell us a, I don't know, a bridge. Okay. In well, I did. I did want to say just because Michael's just because Michael's here in case you missed it. The podcast that we were on, we talked about it's 2021. It's halfway through. It's June. And we talked about the best games of the year so far. So I just really quickly wanted to ping you guys and see what your personal. Are you sure it was June when you recorded that? I mean, yeah, yeah it, was, it, was. it was the end of June, June 30th. Yeah. How, what's the fifth? What day was? I guess it's been it's a week. Exactly guess, a week. I mean, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, okay. Best video game of yeah. What have you guys played that's new this year? That's good. I just because we we know each other through all through video games. That's our the it's four true. of us. All that's our threat. That's yeah. It's very true. What is what? I'm trying to think what came out in 2021. My personal was one like, was Returnal. That was like we went. The, the show settled on. Is it a spoiler to say what the show's settled on? No, that's fine. Okay, well, the the show settled on a game which I know me and Jesse enjoyed, Resident Evil Eight. Uh, yes, but I think my personal was Returnal, so I was just interested. But you guys, I think Returnal. The biggest problem I have with Returnal, and I don't know if you brought it up on the show, is that I think the game, while giving me all the same vibes Control did, and having the exact same like, oh, this is gonna be good. It unfortunately had the problem of like I could put two three hours in and end up right the same place I started. That makes any yeah. sense. I mean, like, I guess I would have more skill as a player, but I would totally I, it was frustrating to put in time and then be like or worse, put in time, then have to get up and leave and know that you would not be able to, like, come back to right where you were unless you paused and walked. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing, right? Because I think in the end, that game is more like Binding of Isaac than it is like, you know, sure. PT or something like that. And because the presentation is so good, because the PS5 has such high tech where you can like instantly restart a game that would have been like a PS4 Pro you know, triple this game was $70, right? It has that yeah. vibe, but you're supposed such you're supposed to be drip fed this story over like 30 hours of gameplay, but it's so well presented now that you feel like it's going to be like an unfolding story through the whole game. And I think, yeah. I think that's uh, kind of works against the game a little bit, but I am now, you know, well over 50 hours into it and I am having a ball. <laughs> I think for me, I don't know, AAA games, I had, I had fun with them so far, but I think most of my time has gone into like indie early access stuff. Valheim ate up a ton oh, of my time when it Valheim. came out a few months ago. Valheim was super fun. I uh, had a great time with that. Um, and honestly, um, you mentioned Binding of Isaac, the latest the latest expansion slash final chapter, Repentance, uh, is incredible. Is it's, it's probably, it's like Isaac 2 in so many Eagerly ways. Eagerly awaiting so. that on Nintendo Switch, Edmund. Please hear my cries. Good luck on getting that thing to run. Like I, The Switch already like can barely handle the Isaac that's on there, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So was your personal game Resident Evil 8, Michael? Uh, yeah, I think it, it is easily my personal game. I, I think for for that question of the week at the end of the show that where we ask the listeners, uh, I went with uh, sort of a it, it was mostly Valheim because like, well, we've already given this its props. But if right, you ask me like, it for, yeah, 20 yeah outside the context of that show, yes, it is absolutely Resident Evil Village. I love that game. I finished it like five times on like speedrun and Village of Shadows and all that shit so yeah i missed the shit that they added back in for this you know what i mean like i realized i love seven but when i played eight i was like oh yeah like i love all this shit and i i, I was glad to see it back just yeah. to just to drop some knowledge i guess this is knowledge just it doesn't matter really but uh just some of the things that people love this year um and based off of you know everyone's favorite metacritic uh <laughs> this is what just from top to bottom this is what the most popular or highest highest rated games are. I guess not popular because one of them I'm like, I don't even know. Just really quickly, obviously, Disco Elysium: The Final Cut came out, and that's mm, I love that they gave that voiceover. Yeah, yeah. great mm-hmm. game. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Ratchet and Clank: Rift Apart just came out. Everyone that I know who's played it loves it. Uh, I beat it. Takes, it. I, I just barely played it last week when we talked on the show, and now I've beaten it, and I'm like, it rules. Yeah, it takes <laughs> two. Is another yet. one that people are like, ooh, I haven't played it yet. Couldn't tell you which one. It takes two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, same. I haven't played it I yet. Don't, I haven't played it because it takes two. You know? It gives me anxiety <laughs> to, to, have a, uh, to have a second person there. I'm going to give a shout out. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I was saying, I'm going to shout out to There Is No Game Wrong Dimension launching on Switch. That game's amazing. If you haven't played it, you should play it. It's a game that doesn't want you to play it. It is hilarious. It's very funny. Okay. Um, then, out of nowhere, this is what I don't, I don't understand this. The game that is the number one highest rated game in 2021 so far, the house of Feta Morgana dreams of the revenants edition. It appears to be a visual novel on switch and it kind of looks Gothic, like a Gothic horror tale. I have no idea what this is. Huh. Yeah. 98%. I, I, 98%. I remember looking that up and thinking like, okay, is this one that I have to worry about for this list? And fortunately our rules uh, just fo- make us just focus on things that came out for the first time this year. And I think that was like a Vita game that came out in like 2018. Uh, oh, well, so, that's crazy. Then the like, lost classic, huh? 
Yeah. I guess I'm, I'm no longer <laughs> lost because now it's on Switch. Thank yeah, God. I was trying to yeah. figure it out. Like, what is this thing? The Valhalla of so many underappreciated games of the past is the mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch eShop. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just thought it would be fun to to take you guys' temperature on that because I, it's been a weird year for games, I think. And, uh, you know, it's yeah, just it really a fun thing been. to talk about. Like um, a Mario game came out this year. I already forgot that existed. Yeah. Super lit one. Oh, too. yeah. I haven't even played it yet. Yeah. Uh, all right. But with that out of the way, ice broken. Let's get back into this because there's a lot going on. So, here, OK, so here's here. Last week, I sort of revealed the thing that has been sort of my frustration with this story which is that certain times like every time the story is told different parts of it are contextualized to mean different things and so there was this whole other thing unfolding during this story that i didn't even like touch on that adds a lot of urgency and like wacky out there comic book stuff to this story uh so today we're gonna get into that uh but like part of that requires us to go back and learn some old information, uh, new information about old things. So as we go through this again, I'm going to kind of remind you of, you know, what is important, why as we go through. But also I got to recontextualize this stuff because a lot of this stuff only comes from the book, The Green Stone, the oldest version of the story, which is by far the longest version of the story also. So I'm going to go into a bunch of that stuff right now, too. And I'm sorry in advance, Jesse Cox, because it's going to make you make a lot of loud sounds. All right, here we go. So (laughs) uh, firstly, I want to talk about the visions that Graham had. And Graham, again, is Graham Phillips. He is our narrator. He is the guy who wrote the Green Stone, narrates the YouTube video, which is like still like sub 5K views on YouTube. Please go watch it if you're interested. It is uh, interesting. This dude's channel is like tiny, but he's like the subject of this episode. So go check it out. But yeah, so he the story as it was told last time was that he was undergoing some sort of separate test when he like went into this trance and channeled this voice that was like talking about all this stuff, Uh, all this stuff about the Rosicrucians and the secret society that they made together uh, with the uh, English Catholics. And I also took the aside that the Rosicrucians aren't really a secret society and are more like an allegory for like new ideas, et cetera, et cetera. But what actually is the truth, according to this story, is that uh, he actually uh, and I, I think I did mention this briefly, uh, which is that there is this character called Joanna that is like who he is channeling. So like when they talk to him, they're like talking to Joanna and he's like, it's Joanna, this girl that I like barely knew in college, but then they asked her and she was like, I don't know. So, so nobody knows what the deal is with Joanna, but that is the voice. Yeah. What's up. Can I burst in with some, some Rosicrucian knowledge that was dropped by one of our listeners from the last episode, some fun stuff about it. Hell yeah, absolutely. They said, um, they have some fun facts about the Rosicrucians. Uh, one of them is that they actually just use the picture of the cross as their, as their icon. But Martin Lutheran, the founder of the Lutheran Church, was said to be a member of the Rosicrucianism community before he founded the church. In fact, if you look up the Lutheran cross, it was a rose with a heart in it. Now, I may not be completely agree with 100% of what Alex said, but I do find the green stone an interesting story myself. 
So Lutheran cross. Did we talk about that the last time? We just, <clears throat> that the Lutheran we, cross was similar to the Rosicrucian cross. We talked about how a lot of other organizations out there, like the Masons and obviously mm-hmm. like the Lutherans, like they all sort of like loved that imagery and that vibe and that story. And they just all sort of like, you know, just like took the baton and ran with it in ran different it, times. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's sort of like a weird meme in history. The Rosicrucians. Mm, very much so. Um, okay. Uh, but actually, the first time that Joanna showed up, this spirit guide, was just during some breathing exercises as part of a meditation exercise. Uh, and suddenly, Graham lapses into this strange sort of like stillness. Like he like becomes more motionless than people who are being motionless are. Stops breathing even. And Andy was like, dude, 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 dude. But then all of a sudden, he starts like whispering. And it seems like Joanna's literally speaking through Graham and the voice that's coming out is you be using Graham's vocal cords, obviously. But if you hear Graham's voice uh, on YouTube, you can see it's very not it's not it's a, not a very feminine voice. But this voice was in some ways allegedly rather feminine. Uh, and it was warning that all the weird psychic visions that everybody was having was because this important task was coming and it dated not like we said last time, just to the 16th or 17th century in Europe, but even further back, even farther away to the 14th century BC during the rule of a sort of like notoriously offbeat Pharaoh uh, who you may know. And if you do, maybe you can confirm or deny some of these facts. His name was Akhenaten. Uh, and, uh, Though apparently all this was happening, uh, uh, as all this was happening, his partner, Matt Andy, who is the guy who's like the editor of the magazine with him, head researcher, he's recording this with a tape recorder. But when they when they call it back and like play the sounds back, all that you can hear instead of what they you know, what Andy says, Graham said, all they can hear on the tape is Graham over and over again in a like very loud, clear voice, just going Akhenaten, 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 Akhenaten. So he has this like 15 to 20 minute tape of Graham saying Akhenaten and then just stopping at the end of the tape. Uh, And uh, yeah, so that was this first contact. And he was like, what? And then Joanna was like, stay with Graham because I'm going to return. Uh, And later that night, the same thing happened again. Graham falls into a trance, stops breathing. Boom, we got Joanna instead of Graham. Graham is the vessel of Joanna, et cetera, et cetera. She said this was all meant to happen. This is like, she's like, actually in this story becomes more like almost like Zordon, uh, which is <laughs> kind of wild, but she kind of is. Uh, and she says this was all meant to happen and not to worry because Graham was going to be okay, even though he was like going into these trances, but that she was taking him over anyway because it was really important what she had to say and they needed to listen. And obviously, again, Please take this with a grain of salt. This is alleged hearsay from the allegedly channeled spirit of an alleged college acquaintance of a man who was allegedly <laughs> in a trance. Uh, I was going to say, you can't the, see it, but Jesse is just shaking yeah, his head back. Yeah, the, the great thing about all this is how hard it all would be to fake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah extremely it's so, it's so difficult. <laughs> you don't have to. I mean, that's just I feel like if you're listening, listening to this show, you know, that's the vibe with the Alex. Listen, episodes. If you can't trust your friends, 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 friends. Why are they friends in the first place? Exactly. Especially if those friends are ghosts of people that aren't necessarily your friends in real life. Uh, exactly. But OK, 
We, but we do need this info because this this story will resonate with this info. <laughs> Just added. gonna drink my coffee and sit here and let this play out. Okay, all right. So here we go. We're going back to ancient Egypt. Back in the 14th century BC, the pharaoh was a pharaoh called Amenhotep the Fourth, who was like young, greenhorn pharaoh, not ready to lead. He was seemingly kind of like trying a compassionate guy, but maybe just didn't have the experience. It was maybe too much of a sort of like socialite, like a young hot boy socialite <laughs> prince to like to like have the you know experience needed to like make these type of decisions well, right? Uh how, do we know how old he was out of curiosity? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm curious Ak- now. I mean, you can look him up. This is Akhenaten. He's a oh, real, man. he's a real pharaoh. I, I, okay, was, I'll Google it. What's, what's his name? An, 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 Akhenaten. Anakhenaten. Uh, no, that's mm. from. That's what, I, <laughs> that's what I wanted to be. That's from, from that. Superior Mummy and films. Imhotep. <laughs> Imhotep. Uh, no, okay. So, so he's real. He's he. I, we'll get yeah, into that real. actually, uh, because he is kind of an interesting cat. Uh, but apparently, word about Akhenaten gets out in the ancient world. And oh, he wasn't sorry. He wasn't even 20. Yeah, he was a young boy, but that's like middle aged in ancient Egypt. So do with that information what you will. Like so many pharaohs were like 10 and then they just have like the pharaohs gang posse that would like run shit instead of them because, you know, Egypt was Egypt was crazy. The idea that there was a civilization going on that was like comparable to ours in like a lot of ways in that long ago is like mind blowing to me. Uh, but anyway, because word got out about Akhenaten. Oh, sorry. I was wrong. He ruled for under 20 years. He was 40 years old when he died. Okay. Yeah. So at the end he was 40. So just do with that information what you will. Uh, but yeah, so word gets out the ancient megalithic people of Britain and Northern Europe, like the people that made Stonehenge, those types of what that's what a megalith is, is like a big ass piece of rock that they made. Uh, they saw Amenhotep the fourth and they believed in his potential and they saw that their place in this world was done like the elves of Middle Earth. <laughs> they saw that they were they saw that they were like on their way out, but they had all this dangerous knowledge that they thought could fall into the wrong hands and be used for ill and they needed to trust this knowledge with somebody and so uh they decided to travel the middle east and share it with amenhotep and again joanna is saying all of this the ghost of a friend of a man so again this is not from the history <laughs> incredibly books. reliable i trust you dude don't uh, you, don't have to, you don't have to convince me so Upon receiving this knowledge, allegedly Amenhotep becomes extremely enlightened in his own mind, changes his name. This is when he changes his name to Akhenaten, founds a new monotheistic religion for Egypt, which is an extremely unpopular move. It splits Egypt in half. He freaks out. He's like got his own little world around him. He builds a new city and moves all his shit over there to be the new capital of Egypt. It's totally insane. Everybody is alienated from him who he's trying to rule. Uh, He like changed the art of the entire kingdom. Like if you look at art from Akhenaten's rule, he like made everything sort of like bulbous. People even like theorized that he was sort of like a some sort of he had some sort of deformity physical deformity that he was like pushing onto people or something or he had some sort of condition hmm. that rendered him 
you know, just a different form than most people were. And so he like tried to establish that as the standard of beauty for the kingdom. So people just fucking hated this guy. And uh, he he died. And then literally they like erased his name from history, chiseled his face off of everything. Like I saw an exhibit one time at the uh, L.A. Science Center that was like all every single artifact that there is about him. Super fucking interesting shit. But yes, yeah, cool. he was, he, I love he was extremely Egypt. hated. You want to yeah. know the best speaking of how hated he was. You want to know the best fact about this? Um, uh, the famed boy Pharaoh Tutankhamun uh, was originally named after him, but hated so much that he changed his name. I get it. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I believe it was Tutankhamun or something like that. Literally named after this dude. And then it was such a hated thing that they changed his name. It's like, uh, like people like that are named Adolf and shit. They're like, mm-hmm. yuck. Yeah. This guy was so disliked in, in Egypt that they were like, nah, they, they, like Alex said, they tore down all of his statues. They removed him from history. Yeah. He got X'd by like everyone. Uh, and, uh, that, but he did have, followers like some people did go all in on this religion and stuff and so allegedly the people that did believe in him then returned to britain from whence the beautiful knowledge came where they apparently according to joanna not joanna i have no idea if this is actually true they apparently founded a colony in northern britain which sort of just intermingled with the celts and the other sort of tribes in the area at the time and in this colony in the middle of this colony they built a fort to defend their religion and a way of life from anyone who may threaten it. And these ruins are still around today, according to Joanna, right? Or at least in the 80s or whatever, when this happens, late 70s, early 80s. Uh, and anyway, this colony continues on, prospers for hundreds of years uh, until all of a sudden the northern tribes are starting to get a little ornery, a little conquer happy. They show up at the borders. Uh, and so eventually they end up Uh, appointing a ruler to protect them who rather progressively actually turns out to be a woman who is a warrior queen and whose name was, and I am going to fucking mangle this uh, is Guevara, 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 Guevara. I'm going to post it in the Twitter and then you guys can weigh in on this. You guys just let me know. And this will be a great test because I'm going to have you guys read some stuff in a minute. Anywhere. At least I'm going to have Michael. Oh, okay. Uh wow. Yeah, Guevara. I I don't know. You it, yeah. If you're like like uh you know able to parse this language better than me. Uh, it's it's like if you saw Che Guevara's name for the first time and we're trying to yes. pronounce it and yes. then someone else yes. heard that and tried to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it's like. Uh and uh so she so she was like fearsome and she conquered a bunch of these tribes and ruled well. And eventually all her counselors and warlords became so legendary that their exploits became the basis for myths uh, uh, of Britain and were rewritten over and over again until uh, until Guevara became Gwen Highway Far. I'm going to just put that one also Pardon? in there. Gwen Huivar. Oh, you mean Gwenifer? Gwen, maybe, Gwen, maybe. Yeah. You, mean, you mean Gwenifer? Gwen is, isn't that like an archaic spelling for Guinevere? Yes, yeah, because yeah, that's that, actually is that where we're going. Is that where we're going? That's what, mm-hmm. Yes, that's where we're heading. Okay. Uh, apparently, this warrior queen 
became Gwen Hifufar and then eventually Guinevere and she got demoted because, you know, dudes from Europe are insecure. Uh, and uh, that's when she became the wife to King Arthur. Isn't that uh, supposed to be it? Wasn't there a movie? Oh my! Was there a King Arthur movie that came out in like the early two thousands? The one with Keira Knightley. Keira Knightley was supposed to be this character. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, and I'll say this right now, just in case you're wondering, Guevara, no record, but Gwen Huifar, that's a real thing. Uh, I'm sorry to anyone who can actually pronounce that. It looks like modern day, like Welsh or something. Just something that yes. I just cannot. Parse. Probably like the A-U-G-H is like pronounced like Ugh or something like yeah. that. Gwever <laughs> Yeah. I, I, like it knows? has that vibe for sure. Uh, but anyway, all of that's connected. A- according to Joanna, the secret Amenhotep, Akhenaten, Gwever knowledge persisted through Roman occupation of Britain through the Dark Ages via an inner sanctum of individuals known as the Nine from the video game Destiny. Just kidding. Who passed it down, down, down until Guevara had been gone now 2,000 years uh, in, in the Middle Ages when it was passed to another sect of secretive guardians. Who else? Who is, gonna, who is inevitably going to appear in this story? Say it with me. The Knights Templar. That's right who used this knowledge <laughs> selfishly. Apparently that's where it all went wrong. They used the knowledge that was sacred knowledge selfishly to gain power and influence throughout Europe, like in the video game series, Assassin's Creed. Yes. And also, and also like in Assassin's Creed, this unnaturally won power and influence eventually spawned a mysterious and secretive, an occult focused opposite group of the Templars, which was dedicated entirely to their destruction, kind of like S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA, more than like how it is in the games, really. But like... Assassino. Yeah, in in this story, it (laughs) seems like the other Sanctum or whatever is like pretty scary. So I don't know what the vibe is because it also seems like the Templars are kind of like not good guys in this. They like kind (laughs) of like failed and got corrupted by power. I don't know. It's not a story. It's just real, right? So... You know, we just got to take these historical real facts as they come. Uh, But apparently in 1307, this all came to a head uh, because that is the day. And this is real. But Joanna also said it. uh, October 13th, 1307, all the Templar leadership was like arrested and destroyed in Paris or something like it was like a great like Game of Thrones style. Yeah, that was Mm -hmm. basically because the Pope. It was when the, the religion had split, if I remember correctly, and the Pope basically wanted all their money and told them that they were, they told them that they were doing, like, the publicly said that they were doing shit that we hear today, baby eating, that kind of thing. And that was their justification for wiping them out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shit was fucking wild. History. Yeah, shit was fucking it wild It never back stops then. repeating itself. It's the same shit over and over again for thousands of years. It's just door fortress. It's, that's it really what it is. is. <laughs> it really is. Um, oh, God. But this was also freaky to Andy, who was sitting here listening to Graham Joanna, because as it happened, the day that she was saying this was October 12th. And according to her, this was no coincidence. She explained that they had a very serious task before them and that if they were not careful, the same dark forces that were brought against the Templars could be brought against them. Now, this new fellowship that was like brought together with these psychic visions. Uh, so they had to make sure and be at the ruins of Gweverach's colony 
At the stroke of midnight, the morning of October 13th, just a few hours from the moments that they were talking at a place called Berry Ring, uh, Berry like the fruit. Uh, and here is a quote from Joanna to set the mood a little bit. So if you'd be so kind as to read this, Michael, I got you. You're going to be the narrator today. Okay. Sorry. Is this in the, okay, I got it. Yeah, it's all pictures because it's <clears throat> the task yeah, that befell Akhenaten, that befell Gweverach, and later the Knights Templar has now been reawakened. This work has now befallen many people, including yourselves. This task, what is it? asked Andy. You will know soon, but there is no time to explain it now. There is something you must do, and it must be done quickly. Yeah, so they had no idea what the hell Berry Ring was uh, and just look for it on a map. They just looked for something called Berry Ring on the map. <clears throat> and it turned out that there actually was an old hill fort at a place called Berry Ring near Stafford. And they jetted over there immediately because this was going down in like two hours. So they flew over there. And when they got there, they found a sign that said Berry Ring, but not like Berry the Fruit. It was it said Berry like Berry you're dead. Uh and then at the end of that road, when they got there, they found Berry Ring, like the fruit farm, Berry Ring Farm. Oh, uh, clever. Yeah. So they jumped out uh, and started looking for like round. Like if you would imagine what one of those old hill forts look like, you'd probably find like a big circular ditch that was like 20 feet deep or so. Because that's kind of just how they like to build. And that's that's like where the structure of the building was mostly. So. That's what they were kind of looking for. And they just went up deep into the woods. Uh, they found a path that kind of winded up onto a ridge. And they right there in the middle of the woods, right where uh, Joanna said it would be, there was a 15 foot ditch ring. Uh, and they made their way through ankle deep mud to the center of the ring. Uh, just a few minutes before Andy saw the clock hit midnight. Uh, and then right at midnight, they looked into the sky. They were they were compelled to look into the sky and both of them got overcome with the extreme feeling of something being wrong and and scary and they couldn't move or or react for 15 minutes. They just stood there in silence in feeling really, really, really bad uh, for 15 minutes. Uh, and then immediately they both were like out of it at the same time and the feeling stopped and they walked back to the car. Uh, where they like sort of like put two and two together and realized that they were standing in Camelot. If you think about it, right? Pardon? Well, time out. <laughs> Pardon? Well, if you think about it, if I'm thinking, oh, about I'm it. thinking mm -hmm. real hard. Is if Gweverach's colony is the home of the Arthur legend, this lost colony that they built and is based on this unholy, holy uh -huh. Egypt knowledge. And that's where the knights came from that are from the round table, right? Then obviously they were standing in the ruins of whatever the real version of Camelot was. Like, I mean, you know, maybe I see what maybe you're saying, Camelot isn't real as it was in King Arthur, but whatever real thing became Camelot and the legends, they realized that according to Joanna's knowledge, that's where they were standing. Uh, so okay. <laughs> that's what happened two days later. I can't believe you went. Yeah. So that's what happened. Uh, what else am I supposed to do? <laughs> I mean, I get, I mean, all right. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm just I'm just the reporter, okay? I'm just coming back. I didn't write this. That's what I'm the truth. I'm just the investigative journalist who's turning in perfect peer-reviewed info here. Hey, Jonah Jameson. Yeah. Uh, okay, two days pass. Uh, Graham channels Joanna, not Joanna, again. This time, she says that along with the knowledge that the megalithic people have passed on to Akhenaten and eventually Camelot, which again was meant to be diametrically against this other like weird opposite energy that was like coming or whatever, right? Uh, Maybe they sent out colonies at the same time America got its Egyptian colony. Yeah, yeah. it's possible. Maybe. That's possible. Hmm. When they uh-huh. built their M16 horde in the Grand Canyon. <laughs> That's just a, lone, uh, a lone US guard. <laughs> That's a, that was an episode for another day, Michael. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, but uh, so they, they, this time, Joanna says, not only was it knowledge, it was a artifact that had the power. And this, this artifact was a green stone which was called the Meonia stone. Now this gets frustrating for me because in the various versions of the story, the drama of the story is based around whether or not they know about this and when information is revealed to them. Right. And so if we're following this version of the story, which I have put together from all the versions of the story based on what has to be true, it means that going into this last episode, they already knew that they were looking for a green stone and that it was called the Meonia stone way before they found the stone, which is a totally different story than the one that was told last week. So I kind of had to like separate these two storylines out because they, I think that we're here now. I think we're getting the most accurate version of the story that we can get now. But for last week's story to make sense, we had to have that information. And for this week's story to make sense, we need to have this information. Uh, So that's how I'm structuring it. Um, but it doesn't mean that both aren't true or are true. They don't cancel each other out. It's just, it's just a question of like drama. It's just a question of drama. All right. I'm going to look at this as a drama from now on and not fact. I mean, it's, you know, it's whatever, whatever hearsay is, right? It's not fact, you know, like even a police officer. This is whatever hearsay is. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, So, so yeah. So, he in the later version of the story, he actually says that that Rosicrucian uh, group that's made of Rosicrucians and Catholics that like secretly collabed on the gunpowder plot. He says that was called the Order of Meonia, but that's like not in this version of the story at all. He just sort of like puts that all together because of like information as it unfolds to match here. the dagger that we talked about last time, basically. Well, but it makes sense once you know this information, why he would think that and. As we go deeper into the story, it, you know, it, it'll make it'll be clear. Uh, but yeah, so. Like I say, that's just his speculation, uh, but he uses it as fact in some versions of the story. Uh, but from there, we're kind of where we went last week, where we went into the uh, mur- the mural of the nine worthies that was inside Packington's house Harvington Hall and like it it was really there and it guided them using the picture to Arthur's Bridge and the Knight's Hill at the Knight's Pool below the Knight's Hill and all that stuff. Um, And the 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 way they found the stone by going to the church at the Swan's Neck uh, to find the green stone itself under the mound. Right. Uh, But because of this weird 
branching path in this story, I sort of like kind of smoothed over the swan's neck aspect of this and just sort of gave you the final reasoning that they landed on. Um, so to catch up with ourselves and to like get into why this story is like totally insane, I'm going to step back <clears throat> to when they found the sword again and then we're going to go deeper into how they actually went from sword to stone because I think that's really important uh, to to this and makes for a great if this this should be a movie. All right. Anyway, 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 here is the clearest version of what follows from here on now. And it is from the book, The Greenstone. This is the actual like most firsthand account that there is. So last week we talked about Marion Sunderland having a vision of the sword sitting on a slab. You remember this person? She was like having these psychic visions. She saw the sword. And then when they went to go find it, it was there. Um, but once they did find the sword uh, after that, Marion didn't have a vision, but her daughter Gaynor had a vision, uh, which happened the same night that they found the sword very far from each other. But like they were finding the sword. She had this vision and her vision was of a man in old fashioned clothes who was like running through the forest, jumping over stuff, madly looking around, holding something. And then he comes to a bridge and then he hides something in the foundations of the bridge. Right. So obviously. After finding the sword, they sort of figure, oh, like maybe this was a vision that she had of Humphrey Packington himself, like hiding the sword and like planting the clues for them, they call it Packington logic all the time. The like sort of like old timey, like puzzle vibe that people have <laughs> that like somehow it works, but it barely it's like a rhyme that like leads to a specific location. Um, mm. So like they think that's what it is. Um, but as they're sitting there and they're listening uh, to Marion and Gaynor talking about this vision, Marion suddenly like gets overcome and starts to like focus up into the sky a little bit from inside her house. And she says, there's something here. Can't you feel it? And she goes into a trance. Uh, and uh, here's another passage from the green stone for Michael to read. I'm just going to drop it right into the chat. There it is. <clears throat> Those pesky random trances. <clears throat> her eyes opened wide and stared at them for some, sorry, for some minutes. She spoke without faltering, addressing them directly and by name, but allowing no time for any replies. There was much they and others would be called upon to do, she said. Those who were to find and possess the stone were to prepare for a task to oppose a force beyond their capabilities to understand fully. Who are you? Graham urged. The voice did not reply. Do you know where the stone is? Still, she did not reply. Can you tell us why we have been called upon to do this? I can only tell you this, she said slowly. The seeds of destruction lie within. What the fuck <laughs> is this? <laughs> this Power Rangers ass. Like, That's you must something fight I... a force beyond your understanding, and the power lies within this green stone. Yes. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah, <laughs> right. God damn. So they feel like it's a warning of some kind. It obviously I mentioned that just the seeds of destruction bit last week, I think briefly, but like they're worried now. They don't know what's going on. They're talking about it. they're trying to be like, go, hey, like, can you like get in another trance, please? Like, can we talk Can we ask some more <laughs> about this? And she's like, I can't just turn it off and on. It's not like a switch thing. And they try for hours and then suddenly like it just happens. So uh, here is a little bit more stuff i'm gonna it's in little two parts right there okay go ahead and give that a little read 
Nothing, she said. I'm sorry, but it doesn't seem to work as simply as that. She closed her eyes again, attempting to clear her mind. Yes, there is something, she began. I can see something. I can see something now. It's a horse, a white horse, and something else I can't make out. She shielded her eyes with the palms of her hands. Yes, she half shouted. It's a row of trees, an avenue over there, she indicated with her hand, stretching away. There's an old track between them and water. It's <clears> near <throat> water. She suddenly gasped. It's here. I'm sure of it. The stone. It's here. Yeah. <laughs> so incredible. So they start. They have some. They have some factual clues, some some stuff that they're they're imagining. And, you know, they have. So, so they have Marion's vision of this this place by the water, and then they have that vision that Gaynor had of the guy running, hiding the sword, and then putting the the like the stone wherever he put it to, right? Uh, and uh, so that's so that's so that's what's now going on. But they're starting to get worried that maybe they're messing with like some type of witchcraft or something. And these people again run Parasearch magazine, which is like believers. You know what I mean? Like, it's very much like we're ready to believe you. So they're taking the witchcraft element very seriously. And they decide to do a little research into like witchcraft in the area to see what's going on. And they found a magazine article about a witchcraft related murder that happened on Valentine's Day in 1945, which was less than 50 years ago at the time. Uh, And it was uh, which, again, was 1980 ish. And it was about some dude called Charles Walton who was found dead in the county of Warwickshire, Warwickshire, pinned to the ground by his own pitchfork and with a crucifix (laughs) cut into his throat. Um, Everybody thought he was murdered ritualistically by witches. Uh, It was totally unsolved. Um, But reading into that, they freaked out because they saw that the place where the body was found was called Meon Hill, like Meonia, Meon Hill. Uh, And... Again, that was also written on the sword, Meaniah for Mary. Uh, so they were like, we got to get to this hill. Um, but they couldn't find anything about the word Meaniah anywhere besides the sword and the hill. So they just decided to go check it out. And uh, according to the book, after looking into it deeper, they saw that people thought that Charles Walton, this guy who was murdered, actually wasn't a victim of the witch's coven, but was like a member of the witch's coven. Uh, who like murdered one of their own. Um, they they apparently were said to meet near me on Hill at this uh, another like megalithic structure called the Rollwright Stones, which is like a stone circle where they would apparently meet up and do witchy things. Um, mm. And that apparently this guy had been murdered for failing to return something which was entrusted to him. And that was allegedly said to be some kind of magic stone. So, not only now are they worried that maybe somebody in the witch coven already found the stone, uh, but also Marion now again is starting to see visions of strange satanic rituals happening that aren't just happening in the past, but also in present day. Uh, and that wasn't even the half of it, as this quote will reveal if Michael doesn't mind reading another fucking quote. No, by all means. But she had seen even more. She felt she had been given a glimpse of their chief rival, a woman in her forties with long black hair. 
John Avis and John Ward also said that they had psychic impressions of a woman of similar appearance who was the high priestess of a strange and fanatical sect. These new and disturbing messages, plus Andy's findings about the Meon Hill killing, made them want to give it all up. Forget the quest and the messages and leave well alone. But how could they? Fate had already taken them too far. How long would it be before their adversaries glimpsed psychic impressions of them? Yeah. So now, <laughs> so now we've got another backtrace. They're going to backtrace it. Yeah. Is that what know, this, the fear is? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Star 69, but actually, <laughs> is that what they're afraid of? Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> so, you know, that scene in uh, Shaun of the Dead where they like meet that other group. That's like just them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. 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 So that's what they're seeing. They're seeing a like black haired switch who is like actively chasing them down and uh at this point it's october 26th and joanna is saying like on the 31st they're gonna do something that that is gonna be really bad and you have to find the stone by october 31st so they round up all these people that have been having visions uh from last week alan uh terry marion and fred who i think i mentioned all last week as people who were quoted as seeing little visions of the stone and stuff like that they finally decide you know what let's get everybody together because we actually have a mission now it's not just us observing all these different people who are having these coincidental visions we want to like be a team of fucking like paranormal people now to like fight this force pool your visions together have one giant vision yeah (laughs) Seriously. Uh, so they decided that even though they weren't sure what this dark haired lady was up to, it was like Sorcerer Supreme kind of stuff, right? Uh, they're not sure what she's up to or why oh, they're no. why she's like searching for the stone or whatever. Uh, but because it was such a clear vision and because uh, Marion already guided them straight to Packington Hall and the Nine Worthies, they decided to take Marion's impression of events as the true version of events, which is that the stone was still hidden by the water. Um, and that there was something that they were missing about the sword that would lead them to the stone. Um, but then Marion speaks up about another theory, and I swear there's not that many more things to read, but I'm going to give you one more to read, Michael, because you have such a crisp voice. Oh, thank you. What does that say about us? <laughs> what do you think that means, Mathis? What is we're, he doing? Why doesn't he give us something to that- read? That we're a bunch of hacks, and uh, you were nowhere near the I level just, of. You know, uh, I just, uh, uh, I just think it's just right. giving a guest a chance to do something, to be useful. Right, right, <laughs> yes. right, uh, right, right, right. Anyway, I think there is another stone," said Marion. "What Walton had was something different. Their stone, if you like." Alan nodded in agreement. "Do you think their stone could do us any harm?" he asked. Marion nodded. "I think it could." Oh, shit. This might sound rather weird, Alan said, but the words beware of the round stone came into my mind the other day. I don't know if it's relevant. No one seemed to know. Marion said that she had had Marion said that she had had further impression that the coven headed by this dark haired woman would meet at the Rollwright stones on Halloween for some evil purpose. She knew that they must find the stone by the night of Halloween and use it to put an end to her powers. But her coven was also looking for the stone, and they had—they now had the means of finding it. Marion felt that the coven had in some way been alerted by Joanna's communication. Perhaps it was for this reason that Joanna had not been able to tell them where the sword was hidden. Instead, she could only alert them to the clues to set them on the right path. 
But if Joanna Newen was a living woman, why had she not collected the sword herself? They did not know. Yeah. So there's a second stone out there? That's what Marion is getting the vision of, is that this witch clan has their own stone that they are trying to do something oh with. Oh, my God. And that <laughs> our stone that we're trying to get is the opposite stone. You're starting to lose me, Alex. You're starting to lose me. This is insane. All right. How is this not a trilogy Tyler, like within the Conjuring to, series? I just need, to, I just need us to take a moment. Power stone. I just need to take a moment. It is. We are 40 some minutes into this episode. Yeah. When do we get to the house that is like haunted or whatever? Is that not? Didn't we talk about the last time? There was like a crazy house. Yeah, that was the opener. How yeah. do we get to this? That's going to be. That's going to be one of the most legendary moments in Chaluminati history. Is it happening? Alex, <laughs> God damn it. That's a big promise, my man. Yeah. That's a big promise. I don't, I just, I'm, try, I'm, I'm having a hard time, like, trying to be like, okay, this happened. When now there's a second stone with magic powers, a coven of witches who is also looking for this stone, and I just... I've never heard a bigger crock of shit in my entire life. <laughs> I've never in, in all my years, I've never heard hey, such all the stories I brought bullshit. forward. You no, think so? I, I, I now that we've crossed the threshold that I believe, I believe in everything but this. <laughs> I refuse to believe in this. You believe this you is nonsense. To say this is real. All right. No. So anyway, Marion felt like this woman was definitely intercepting their so visions. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> what else can I do? They, they did, didn't didn't know they already had the sword because they weren't because like they she wasn't able to see Joanna because Joanna like led them to the sword rather than just telling them. So they they didn't know that she had the sword uh, that they found the sword. So Graham and Andy take their friend from Parasearch, Janet Morgan, and they head out to Mayon Hill uh, to Meon Hill, Meon Hill. I don't know how to say Mayon, it. Mayon, to check out. Yeah, to check yeah. out the Rollwright stones. Uh, and see what they could see, scope out this church they found nearby to see if they could find anything. But all of a sudden, back at home, Marion's daughter Gaynor has another vision. She saw darkness and evil, and she felt the woman directing unholy forces towards her friends. And she saw her holding a double entwined ring of thorns woven through with poisonous black and red berries. And she saw that the woman was using this item towards their friend and that time was running out. Uh, and so back at the Rollwright Stones, Andy and Graham and Janet are talking to a woman in like a hut nearby the Stones uh, yeah, who runs like the public trust that like oversees the site. She was like, yeah, I mean, there was rumors in the 40s and 50s of witchcraft at the Stones. Like it's literally just this hut. There's no security overnight or anything. We just sort of like keep tabs on it. Um, so people could theoretically come in here at night we have no idea we're in the middle of nowhere um but after the 40s and 50s the rumors sort of just disappeared because after that is when the police got involved in that dude's murder and if anything it probably forced them underground but she just said that it's not like there's not people didn't talk about it after the 50s um but anyway uh after that they go about 400 yards away uh it's basically in the same grounds. They're just kind of exploring the grounds. There's another five megaliths uh, on the grounds that are called the Whispering Knights that are said to be a tomb from the t- same time as the Rollwright Stones of five knights who are being symbolized by the stones. 
kneeling and being petrified together for for scheming against the king. Um, and when they went there, <clears throat> they expected to see five uh, knights, if you will, five big stones. But one of them had fallen horizontally over. Uh, <clears throat> and remember, they hadn't spoken to Gainer yet. Uh, but they, as they got close, they found... They saw like this little, these red flowers they thought they saw, like this little, these little red flowers in a bunch. But as they got closer, what they actually saw sitting there was literally a crown of thorns, a ring of berries woven together <clears throat> and like freshly placed there, like recently. It felt like <clears throat> they were meant to find it and they had it and they were super interested and they booked a room nearby to like stay the night and like go see what was going on um and then they called marion to check in and marion was like hey i've been waiting for you to call don't do this shit don't listen to what gainer just said she said you were gonna find a ring of thorns and with berries and it's poison and it's bad and it's evil and it's gonna lure you into a trap come to my house right the fuck now we have to talk and they were like uh okay and they literally canceled their hotel reservations and drove 150 miles that night to marion's to see what the fuck was going on and uh, when they got back, Gaynor was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I need to go back to the bridge and I need to bring the sword back to the bridge because I figured it out. It wants me to go to the bridge and like hold the sword and do it. So <clears throat> they figure out a day when they can go down. And now it's the 29th. Right. So there's only two days left uh, till Halloween. They bring the uh, sword back to the bridge with Gaynor and she takes it and she stands above the bridge and she begins to like rotate slowly holding the sword like a divining rod and like what? rotating and then she stops and she points and she says over that way there's a ruin that we need to go to right now um and it just like is did she feel it like vibrate or yeah, she just she was feeling it she said she was feeling like some sort of like like uh she was Using her ESP. Like a pole. Yeah, she's she just using, okay, her using her ESP. Instinctively knew that she needed to kneel by the cliff's edge holding the white crystal until the whirlwind came along. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a full three minutes. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, basically, basically, they, That's they're a like, very good joke. <laughs> Thank you. Nerds out there are is, all like, that was, a, that was a good ass joke. <laughs> that was a good ass joke. <laughs> yeah, so they walk out like about a mile or so in that direction. And they find a Gothic castle uh, with two turrets. That's like totally ruined and just like crumbling. And uh, a girl shows up on a horse while they're investigating the tower and talks to Marion and Marion says that the girl told them and the girl just took off. The girl said, Oh, Hey, what's up? Oh, this castle. Oh no, it's actually not that old. It's actually from the 18th century. Uh, it wasn't old enough to be where the stone was like it wasn't around when Packington did his ride or whatever. Um, but Marion saw that the girl was riding a white horse, like in her vision. And so she was like, I must be in the right place. And she told them that they were onto something and Gaynor goes into the tower because she feels she's being called there. And when she gets inside, something super weird happens halfway up the tower. She's with uh, everybody. She's with, Graham and Andy and they're all making their way up this turret that's like kind of scary because it's a little <clears> dilapidated and they start to hear like insane crashing sounds and thuds and nobody really sees anything um, but like 
little bits of rock are like falling on them and they hear like big flapping sounds and like big thumping and stuff. And everybody there agreed that it sounded like there was a big ass bird, like a insanely large, like rock sized bird flapping around in the attic of this turret before like flying out the window. Uh, And they got up there and there was just nothing there. And they were just like, what the fuck was just in here? Um, And uh, morale was low and they were empty handed after the giant bird encounter. And all Marion can think about was that in her dreams, the Mary, Mary Queen of Scots, sometimes referred to as the swan. And, you know, there's two days left. And so that's all they had was this idea that there was a swan. And uh, Gaynor was frustrated because she felt like she was meant to get something from this. Uh, but it wasn't until later when Graham was asking her about her dream some more, trying to get her to regress to get some more info about the old fashioned guy running through the woods, trying to like relive that dream that they got focused on the idea of river basins because Marion was like, it's by water. So she was like, okay, I can see it. It's like a river basin. So they like figured that out. And then they were like, all right, there's only two rivers that are anywhere nearby the Severin and the Avon. And the Severin is like, straight so it doesn't really have the features that they're looking for from the vision and it 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 doesn't have marshlands which is like where this guy is running through right it's like the main key thing is that she can like see it so she's like well anywhere along this river is there anything like this no but on the avon there was and that is how they found from last time the idea of the swan's neck and the fact that mary queen of scots is somehow related to the swan's neck according to marion and the fact that there was that second star in the swan constellation Cygnus that was like representative of new knowledge in the swan's neck somehow converged and made them check out the swan's neck where they then eventually, like I described last week, found uh, the stone. Right. But because now that we have context about this and I've I've now decided that the coven that is chasing them is worth mentioning for the drama of the story, like the context of this was that they knew where to look. And then they were like, well, what the fuck should we do if these guys can fucking see us? Like, how how can we do this? So they went and they like dug for the stone in the area and they kept digging holes, like many holes and checking the holes. And then the one that they thought where it was, they dug the hole, grabbed the box. And then put a box in there and like hit it and covered up all the holes and then pretended like they left without anything. But then they checked and they were like, oh, shit, we got it. What the fuck? And then somebody had the idea of like, okay, if they're chasing us, we'll go back to the place where we were digging, pretend like we're still looking for it. And then today we'll also pretend like we're we didn't find it and then like call it a day and wrap it up on their way that day to the um, to the to the river. A little white Ford Escort pulls out with these two guys in it. And is following them around all the way for like a while, a while, a while. And then it like turns off at a point and then they go down to the uh, dig site. So they were like, they thought they were being paranoid and they go down to the dig site and start digging and pretending like they're looking for the stone. And then about halfway through the day, they look up and they realize that the Ford Escort that was following them earlier is like parked up on a hill and the two guys are just out looking at them, watching them. And it's like, you know, now it's like, one day to go or whatever, uh, like, or it's like the night of on mid, you know, the night, the midnight's about to roll around. They're freaking out. And, uh, so 
I don't know if they were being paranoid or what. I don't know if there really was somebody watching them. Uh, but apparently they were able to throw them off the scent. The midnight ceremony is two hours away. They arrive at Marion's house just in time with the stone. Everybody's like, holy shit, the stone is fucking real. Like, I cannot believe that there's really a stone. Um, and then uh, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give Michael, like, this is like the grand finale of the story Ooh, right now. Okay. I'm going to tell go. you everything that happens. So I'm going to start, I'm going to drop these in. There's going to be four of them, but this is a big one. All right. <clears throat> at midnight, as they passed the stone round, they all felt a strange vibration coming from it, a sensation almost of warmth. Marion took the stone. She now knew what had to be done, although she could not explain it to the others. As she held the Meonia stone in her hand, she felt it almost, almost growing, pulsating with energy. She felt a mysterious sensation as she lay back in her chair. All she wanted to do was close her eyes to sleep. She told them to sit round her in a semicircle and remain quiet. She was no longer in the room. The stone seemed to vibrate. She felt a cold, biting wind on her face. Then there was darkness. She was standing among trees, and she could hear the wind through their leaves. I'm sorry, I've lost my place here. Okay. <clears throat> Then she heard voices, chanting voices, next to the fire, crackling in the light, burning wood, heavy smoke. She saw them, a huge circle of gray-robed and hooded figures around the fire, inside the ring of stones. The flames cast long shadows around them. A single black-robed figure stepped forward to the fire, a woman with long black hair. It was she, the leader! The woman threw back her arms and head, shouting aloud into the night. The coven responded. She chanted again, reaching out, stretching and clawing at the sky like a cat. Light. A sickly orange light tore away the darkness above her. She shrieked in ecstasy. The coven <laughs> chanted in response. Marion knew that the force of pure evil would manifest through the woman in physical form. She felt the stone pulsating, throbbing in her hand. A shape began to form in the orange light, a huge winged mass. Then came a cry, a cry of triumph from the manifestation. The woman screamed, her cries merging with the demons. Uh, second... The stone burned into Marion's hand. She had to stop it. Use the stone. She felt the power growing within her, her spirit body overflowing with energy. Concentrating her entire force of will against the fiery abomination, she felt an immense shock jar her body. It was turning on her. There followed a brief moment of struggle. It was too powerful. It could overcome all that was directed towards it. She knew she could not destroy the evil by force. It thrived on such actions. She must return its own malefic intent. Use the stone to reflect its power. <clears throat> Light burst round Marion as she held the stone before her. The abomination recoiled. Enveloped in an intense whiteness, it gave a final embittered cry and was gone. The woman sank to her knees, bathed in white light. Then she ran in terror. The power of the witch coven and their priestess was at last broken. The demon was gone. Marion woke from the strange sleep and blinked up at them. She relaxed and smiled. It's all over, she said, sighing with exhaustion. <clears throat> We've won. Uh, we have done it. We've won. Now we can rest. The force had lost its power over the Warwickshire coven. That night, they all believed the evil had finally been destroyed. 
But in reality, it had lost only the first battle. Now it had an advantage, for at last it was aware of its opponents. <laughs> and, th- and this <laughs> is where the story ends. Oh. The end of the, this, the saga of the Greenstone, book one, ends here. <laughs> Uh, there, there is more to this story. There is the question of how the Parasearch headquarters was left empty. Um, but also Andy has written a book about this called the seventh sword. And there is a whole other side of this story that is yet to be told, but this saga has wrapped up the story of the evil witches that were trying to destroy the world with their own stone. And I want to direct your guys' attention back to one thing that's going to make this come all full circle. It's going to blow your mind. Ready? So you would say that Marion at first used her and followed her impulse to destroy stone with stone, overpowering one stone with the other stone. But then she realized that it was really that she needed to use her stone to reflect the power of the other stone to defeat the demon. <clears throat> Not giving in to her initial impulses, right? Okay. And I think that's what was meant by the seeds of destruction lie within. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So this is like when someone talk about the Victorian Hills. <laughs> we don't, Victoria, yeah, you have teased us and you there's no payoff. No payoff. About what do you mean? Victorian that was House. an epic payoff. That was a huge <laughs> magic. You, you literally magic were like this. This would be like if we started a movie and it was like this ancient house. Some shit went down and you'll definitely find out about it in the third movie <laughs> hell with this story it is literally like you found you like it's like you're a spaceman who came to earth read us harry potter yeah and as it was like fic- it was like uh, non-fiction you were like and then harry potter fought voldemort on the school grounds here's, here's, and here's through the, pro- the power of familial love he defeated voldemort and saved his friends that's how is, you read this to us yes yeah, crazy alex the reason it's the reason it's frustrating though because i do want to just say it's nonsense right i just want to say it's total nonsense because it's, it is. it's so ridiculous because <laughs> it is but at the center of this <laughs> but at the center of this there is a real artifact they found in a real hidden in a real place and a real and a that. real mural on a, an unknown mural that they literally it was just uncovered when they found it. It was like behind wood. You know what I mean? And it led them to where they needed to go. And the stone was real and was there and was checked. You know what I mean? Like, All right. That's there the is thing no, that there is no there is no story in the nonfiction cat. There's like no historical story that ends with. That night, they believed all the evil had finally been destroyed. <laughs> but in reality, it had lost only the first battle. Now it had an advantage. For at last, it was aware of its opponents. Their, like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's branch. never been written in a history book or any type of science book. Or That's Maybe more people written. would be into the Bible if it was written like this. Did you ever if think about that? Was like, <laughs> Wait, yes, Alex, Alex, I need help. I need Little closure. Where did the house know. come from? Sorry. <laughs> right? Yeah. Where did the house come from? Like, what, the house, what was the, the house? The house is the, is the headquarters of Parasearch. 
And, and they don't know why it fell apart. There's like a Ghostbusters 2 to this story that's like a separate story oh about a different <laughs> oh situation. I can't believe you punked us again. I you literally you said, I'll <laughs> resolve got, it next episode. You, you got we Star brought Wars, back the Return our of the very Jedi. special guests. We brought back our very, and then you punked us again. This is, this I'm is. blown away. I'm this like, is the end of the movie. What do you mean? The green stone. It's done. We got it. I feel almost unless unless the payoff is amazing. I almost feel like the way I felt after watching uh, the first Lord of the Rings movie. When I was like, wait, that's it. They just walk off. That's it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a big it was a big ordeal. They all went through together. They learned a lot about each other. They're very similar stories. Clearly, clearly the house was abandoned after the evil came back and won the next battle by suing them for the story rights. <laughs> You're, not that wrong. You're not that far off. I legit thought you were leading when you were talk, telling us they went into the ruins and they were like, oh, these ruins are actually much younger than they thought. I thought you were going to tie that into the house. I can't believe and be this. Like the stone ruined these oh, ruins earlier yeah, than they I were mean, supposed look, to. There's, there's, there's something to that. I. What okay. have you done? Look what you did. I can't <laughs> I believe thought, this. I want to be honest with you. I thought that I was writing a two-part story where like part one was going to be this story and then part two was going to be like later I was going to do the story of the house and then I wrote the tease into the first half of this episode thinking it was all going to be one episode and then you were going to get the tease for a later episode like an anime, like a cool How anime. How dare you? It didn't work out as planned. But, How dare right. you? But here's what's... Here, it was just like the JFK episode. Real. Just like the JFK episode, this will hover around my head forever. And 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 I will tell you what happens one day, but there is there is more to this story. So be ready for it. it the problem is, oh my God. The problem is that, and this is a thing with a lot of these stories where there's like one guy who does it, is that the stories change over time. And the this version of the story here and the version that he's and that he told later, it's like maybe he has new information. I don't know. But the way that he tells the story on his video, it gets into a little bit about what happens with the ruined house, but it doesn't contextualize it in any way like it does. Like the way that I told this story yesterday, had you had any idea that there was going to be like witches in Egypt? Like no way. Right. But <laughs> no, no, but it's, no. Of but course, it, I did not think that's where we were going. Yeah, but it adds so much more context to the story. And then we somehow ended on a PlayStation 2 JRPG cutscene of a white light blasting forward from the good stone against the evil witch and her cousin. They all of put people. their powers together and were like, yeah. They all yeah. at the same time formed <laughs> the, the evil witch was like, ah! she, yeah. Yeah, she vaporized. She was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> now the studio. Oh my and now the studio God. has to get funding from the publisher to make a sequel. I swear to God. Alex, if we lose patrons after this episode, <laughs> we won't. We, I mean, we always, we always, we always kind of do, right? But that's. But here's what I'll say. Here's uh, what I'll say. There is more to this story. There's one more story here to tell, but it's, but it's, but it's another story. So be ready for that when it comes out. But this was the Green Stone. This is the story of the Green Stone. The beginning of the end of one thing is the beginning of another. What a fucking wild ass ride! Which Alex. war? Which war? The Greenstone this, Witch War. That's what it should be called. The w Greenstone, the Witch Wars, part mm -hmm. two. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't fucking. I don't know, man. I, Alex, I want. I like. Is this the Jesse? Is this the most insane thing Alex has ever done on on the I, show? I have never hated something Alex has done <laughs> ever. I've always been like, well, that was fun. That was a fun this little was fun. adventure. This is, th this is again, the way you describe this, yeah. the way these quotes were read are like, <laughs> you literally found Harry Potter it's and we're like, he guys, wrote, he I chose found to this write ancient the book story. Like a novel. 
yeah. from the 90s because it is a novel. I don't think this is real. I think you are telling us what a novel told you. <laughs> I think this is a novel and you're reading it like you found Harry Potter and you're just like, there were wizards. Did you know that in the no. 90s there were wizards? They found That's a sword. Me. It's in the news. It's real. Oh, there were witches. You, can go, see this, you can go see the sword at John D's house. Go check it out. Somebody on the show. Prove to me it's real. Go to John D's home. Check it out at the museum, please. There's fantasy books that include, like, there are many King Arthur books. <laughs> so many of yeah, them. Yeah, there are plenty of fantasy books that include real things. I'm just saying, I feel like you were like, hey, I'm basing off this book, and I feel like you found a book, and we're like, this has to be real. And it was just like, I made it up. I don't know. I just, <laughs> oh my God. I am blown oh away. Man, that we we still didn't even, get, we, we still didn't even get to the house. We still didn't even get to the house. The whole point was, I was like, why is this house? Falling apart, and you're like, don't worry, I'll tell you. And you still have it. But we did get the witch war. The war, the witch was defeated. The dark haired lady. Good. And she tried those character development. She grew. Alex, you said in this episode that the Victorian house is going to be the greatest twist we've ever seen. We didn't even get to it. How big a twist is that? An unexpected twist, to be sure. God. Extreme twist. Oh, yeah, I would, I would classify this as creative nonfiction. Extremely creative nonfiction. <laughs> Extraordinarily. Oh. Anyway, wide. Anyway, this is my game of the year so far in 2021. Yeah, we definitely got played, that's for sure. <laughs> oh my God. Alex, fucking thank you for that. I don't even know what to think. Yeah, I'm just, I don't know if I'm disappointed. <laughs> Me neither. Like, I don't know. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for coming along. You know what? When we eventually wrap the story up, we would love to have you you come back on. Because you you deserve to know just as much as we do as to what happened to that Victorian household. You know when someone leaves a knife uh, at a a house so that they have a way of coming back to the house to like hang, hang out again? A knife? A knife, sure, yeah, yeah, all the time. Yeah, or a spoon or, a, mm-hmm. you know, a pot, a piece of silverware, a, t- a Tupperware. Sure, man. You yeah. know? Oh, hey, can I come back I over? I left saying. my murder weapon there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exa- well, you're leaving your green stone here in the key to a Victorian mm-hmm. home that we will one day learn the story of. I am, uh, we'll see when that is. I want to make uh, a, Alex- I want to make a, a CCU so that the Chiluminati has like lore. I want to, I want to, I want to, I'm going to eventually, is that what this is? Eventually I'm just going to do one and I'm just going to like, I'm going to be the one who's written it and it's going to be the greatest thing that ever happened. And I will be there to pee on your parade. I'm going to let you know. I will stop that. I'm going to rain all over it. My friend. I can't, I can't believe this. How dare you? How dare you? They reflected this, the I stone. am so mad. They saved need, the world. I need the ending. And there's just not the, an ending. What kind of ending? What's a better ending than a, than save the world from what though? Like what was the witch's yeah, end the, goal? The villain what, who's revealed like, in act three. I mean, come on. Utter darkness. <laughs> utter darkness is the black haired lady. How evil could it be? Utter darkness. Somewhere we're going to get, uh, you know, what's going to happen. We're going to get messages on the forums. that are going to be like, as a Wiccan, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. was offensive. You know what's going to happen? It has nothing to do you know. with Wiccans. This is another type of witchcraft that's exclusive to this universe. <laughs> what is Don't worry that? about it. This is this is the King Arthur yeah. Uh, yeah. universe. Yeah. Right. These are the yeah. These are the evil witches. Yeah. Well, fuck, dude. We got to go do a mini sode, and we I don't want to lose Mike yet, so we got to go my do next, this uh, while we My next story is about time. Bigfoots that are psychic. Great. All right. So cool. 
Well, actually, I'm going to use that as a hook. Uh, my little story for the Minnesota is Bigfoot related, everybody. So uh, swing over to the Minnesota. But before any of that, Mike, once again, where can people find you? What shows do you do? Go ahead and I regularly know. host a show called Vigigame Apocalypse, which is part of the Laser Time Network at lasertimepodcast.com or vigigameapocalypse.com. We put out shows every Friday where we do like a top five around various uh, video game related topics. And then we talk about new releases and game news and uh, answer a question of the week and ask it of, of our audience. So, uh, yeah, check us out. Vigigameapocalypse.com. Sick. And Jesse, what's going on at the end of October? Uh, hey, if you are in L.A. and you would like to come see Chiluminati live, we would love to have you. You can go to ChiluminatiPod.com and you can link yourself to the tickets. Um, there was a web page where you could buy tickets to both Chiluminati and Scary Game Squad because they're two days apart. However, those tickets sold out. So all that's left is the general admission and you can get those at uh, the link there, but it'll take you to Ticketmaster and you can buy it through there. Uh, there's VIP tickets if you want to like. Come and chat with us and uh, get some cool stuff. We've got a bunch of freebies and fun things. It's going to be and, a vibe. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's at a great place in LA. They got, you know, if you like alcohol, they get alcohol. But if you like pizza, they got pizza too. So That's what I'm excited for. You can come hang out and it'll be wild. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. So yeah, October. Get, me. get spooky with us. It'll be a good couple of days. That's it for us, everybody. We're going to go do a mini sode. So swing over to patreon.com slash Illuminati pod and get yourself of that tier so you can listen to us. Hang out with Mike for a bit more. And until then, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Anyway, me and my wife were sitting outside indulging on our porch one night, enjoying ourselves. I needed to go to the bathroom, so I stepped back inside. And after a few moments, I hear my wife go, holy shit, get out here. So I quickly dash back outside. She's looking up at the sky in awe. I look up too, and there's a perfect line of dozen lights traveling across the sky. We'll be right back.